When we pray, should we stand or kneel? Should we bow our heads or fold our hands? What about praying to Jesus? Is that okay to do? Or is it only acceptable to pray to the Father? And then how long should our prayers be? Can they be too long or can they be too short? Welcome to Through the Bible. Today, Dr. J. Vernon McGee answers these questions as we arrive at Paul's second prayer in the New Testament book of Ephesians chapter 3. I'm Steve Schwetz, and I'm inviting you to hop aboard the Bible bus and find your seat. And while you do that, let's welcome Through the Bible's president, Greg Harris. He's here to update us on some really exciting things that are happening around the world. Yeah, Steve, it's so uh, awesome that we get to just take a few minutes to share with our listening family just a few of the dynamic things that are happening around the world. Whenever I prepare for these, I just I have far more things that I'd love for us to talk about than we have time to do. Yeah. But but I think what's helpful is for our listening family to to go a little deeper in this time. Let's just focus on one country. I mean, there are about 200 or so countries around the world. We're in over 250 languages. Um, those numbers can just kind of make your eyes roll around. But let's talk about something that's really happening in the country of Kenya. Yeah, this is such an amazing story. Yeah. And it's not just, okay, we're, we're doing ministry in Kenya. Okay, that's kind of exciting. But to do it in Kenya prisons yes, and to do it at the at the request of the director yeah. of, of the of, of the entire prison system that says yeah. I want you to bring the Bible in and I want you to bring through the Bible to help explain it and I want you to make it available to all the prisoners. Talk yes. about an open door that yeah. the Lord has set before us. Exactly. And we we often talk about we're not that smart. The Lord is many steps ahead of us. And then we go, oh, okay, Lord, that's what you want us to do. Yeah. So let me back up and explain what you a little more about what yeah. you just explained. Now, it all starts with a partnership. And that's why our partnership with other ministries is such an important part of what we do. There's a ministry called ShareWord Global. Many of you know the Gideons. It's yes. just a different name for the Gideons in Canada. We love our Canadian friends. Yes. Don't ever think <laughs> as if you're listening from Canada that, oh, well, I'm just listening to a U.S.-based broadcast. Yes. I mean, yeah, we're in the U.S., we get that. But so much significant ministry happens because of Canadian brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's just one of the exciting meetings that I can hardly wait to have in heaven, yes. is to meet these brothers and sisters who we've never met before and hear about how the impact that they have yes. in, in bringing the gospel to people and, and glorifying God. And we had a part of it, but it, it's their ministry. Yeah. And that'll be in Pavilion B. In yes. Heaven. Right. Of course, that's the we that's if you're new to the program, yeah. we joke about having meetings with through the Bible. Yeah. Parties. In, parties. parties in heaven. OK. Yeah. But the story is so ShareWord Global has a wonderful presence in the country of Kenya. And the director of prisons for the whole country said to them, you're welcome to bring the Bible into all the prisons of Kenya. And we started partnering with them and they said, well, can we also bring this great systematic teaching in Swahili into the prisons? And they said, sure, bring it on. And so we have a report you and I are looking at that's about a page long and it's not from a TTB staff person. It's from a ShareWord Global staff member who traveled into a prison and met a man named George Oderu. Hmm. Yeah. And I'm reading just some of this testimony that even I'm probably jumping a little bit here, but George's ministry extends outside beyond prison walls. He's got a special passion for reaching out to ex-prisoners in that country and that he believes that sharing the word of God is crucial for their transformation and successful reintegration into society. So there's this whole discussion in the incarceration world, if you will, is what is the purpose of prison? Is it for punishment or is it for rehabilitation? uh, Rehabilitation. And, uh, you know, society would 
would say, look, just get those people out of here. They're, right. they're, they're messing things up. But at the same time, unless they're in life prison, in prison for life, they're going to be coming back into yeah. society. And yeah. so your only hope is to change their heart. And the only way you're going to change their heart is by giving them the gospel and having the Holy Spirit transform them. Yes. And we should say that George Odero is a dedicated, he's a senior superintendent. So he works for this particular uh, prison based in the Nakuru main prison, which has over 3,000 inmates. And this man has a passion, like you were sharing, to to warn these young men that are in prison, this is why you got into prison. Let me show you what God's word has to say and get them listening to through the Bible. And I mean, what I want our listening family to just really rejoice in is we are not just a broadcasting ministry. We do yeah. a lot of broadcasting, but this is a man. This is a flesh and blood brother in Christ who has a passion to take through the Bible into the lives of people that really need it. Yeah. Well, you can be praying for this ministry uh, to prisoners in Kenya. It is a unique opportunity that we have to take the gospel to people who normally wouldn't even listen to the gospel. But because they're in in a situation where so much of their life has been stripped away, so much of their freedom has been taken away, yet they have the freedom to listen to God's word. So be praying for that. Greg, why don't you pray for us as we begin our study? Father, we thank you for George Adaro and so many like him around the world that are ministering your word and the teaching it through the Bible in prisons. And we pray that you would make that a very fruitful field of ministry as people have everything stripped away and they have time to think about their relationship with you. We thank you for the many ways your word is getting out around the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Now let's turn to Ephesians 3 as we make our way through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. Now, friends, we come in this third chapter where we see the church is a mystery. And Paul has dealt with that in what is actually the parenthesis in the chapter. Now, you'll recall that with verse 1 of the chapter, I dropped down to verse 14. That's where we are today. So let's go back and tie the strings together again. And this parenthesis comes in between. And I also should add it is an emphasis, too. Now, verse 1 reads, For this cause I, Paul the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, For this cause I bow my knees. Naturally, we say, well, what cause? Well, it was because of his deep interest in these Ephesians, and he wanted them to enter into the great truth here of this dispensation, this new economy that we live in, and to experience all the riches of his grace that's in Christ Jesus. All of this is the cause now, and that which was in the background. Now he says, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. There are several things here even in this verse, I'd like to call attention to. Now, when we were looking at the prayer that's back in the first chapter, I mentioned what a great man of prayer Paul really was, and that we know him as an apostle, a preacher, a teacher, but not so much as a man of prayer. And I called attention to some of the characteristics of his prayers that were there. Now, in this verse, we have another characteristic of the prayers of Paul, and this prayer reveals a posture in prayer. Now, I hope I'm not splitting hairs 
But here it is. For this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not insisting that in our public prayer meetings today that we all get out on our knees. However, I rather wish that we did. One of the best meetings I ever had was as a young preacher in my first pastorate. I went up into Middle Tennessee to the old Stones River Church. It was right near where the battle of Stones River was fought in the Civil War. In fact, there's a cemetery that is there. And it's a little country church. And I never shall forget that first night when I began. I said, let's bow our heads in prayer. Well, they did more than bow their heads. I shut my eyes and I heard a rumbling And I thought everybody got up and walked out. So I ventured to take a look. And I did. I opened one eye and looked. And you know, I didn't see a soul. And I thought they'd really walked out on me. But since I was praying to the Lord, I just continued to pray. And then I said, Amen. And then I opened my eyes. And you know, here came all these people up. And that little old country church is packed out. They came up just like corn coming up out of the ground between those pews. They'd all got down on their knees. And you know, we had a wonderful meeting. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying just because we got down on our knees that we had a great meeting. I do want to say this. I think it helped a great deal. I'm afraid today that in the formality and the ritual even of our nice new churches and our plush seats and carpets on the floor that today... We are missing something in our relationship to the Lord. My feeling is there ought to be more of the easy familiarity in worship and more reverence for God, especially at the time of prayer. Our proper place, we are a creature. We ought to go down on our all fours before Almighty God. And Paul said that's the way he prayed. And I've always felt that it's a good way to pray. I used to pray. Now, I must confess now with arthritis, I don't do it like I used to. But I used to get down right on my face, right down in the study and pray there. And it's amazing how it helps you to pray. And this is something I think that's good for man. Now, I'm not going to insist on this, but I'm just calling your attention. This is the way Paul did it. And I think he's a very good example for us today. Aren't we told also that our Lord went forward there in the garden of Gethsemane and fell on his face. You know, it wouldn't hurt a lot of us saints to fall on our face. I think that would be the proper place for us to get down on our face. Now we have something else in this verse. He says, I bow my knees unto the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now I know you're going to think that I'm splitting hairs. I hope that I'm not splitting hairs here. But I think this is rather important. What we have here is Paul prayed to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you'll notice that back in that first prayer in Ephesians 1.17, he says that he addressed his prayer to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we find that that was his formula. And I think it's a rather tight formula to address all prayers to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody says, say, you are splitting hairs, aren't you? No. Listen to the Lord Jesus. In John 16, 23, he says, And in that day ye shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, 
whatever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. These men, when they were with him three years, I think they were like a group of children in many ways. I think it was gimme, gimme a great deal of the time. Now he says to them, I'm leaving you, and you're not going to ask me anything. But whatever ye will ask the Father in my name. Now, what does he mean by that? He means simply this, that when you and I pray to the Lord Jesus directly to him, we rob ourselves of an intercessor. You see, he's our great intercessor. And that's what it means to pray in his name. It means to go to God with a prayer that the Lord Jesus himself can lift to the Father for you and me. And that's what it means to pray in his name. And I think that we ought to be very careful in our prayer life. Now, I was in a service. You know, I guess being retired now, I noticed things I never noticed before. They called on a visiting brother to pray for the meeting at this conference. And we got off to a good start, marvelous start. But this brother slowed us down that night a great deal because the music had been excellent. Pastor did a fine job of presiding. Then they called on his brother to pray. And I counted three times that he came around and prayed for me. My feeling was, when I heard him say it the second time, you don't need to tell the Lord that again. He heard you the first time. And then when he came around the third time, I said to myself, he'll turn the Lord off now because the Lord will get tired of hearing that repetitious prayer. Well, my feeling was that wasn't needful. Now, of course, I guess after this brother looked me over, he decided I needed praying for three times. But nevertheless, I feel like that is vain repetition that the heathen use. I think we ought to be very careful about our prayer life. My, when you and I are going to make a talk before a group of people, we certainly prepare ourselves, don't we, for this broadcast. I try to get ready for it. And most of the time, I'm here with just the Bible. But I've got preparation back of it. Friends, it may not look that way, but I surely do. And we always, if we're going to talk to other people, well, why do we in our prayer life, especially in public prayer, when you've got a group of people, you get up and go all the way around Robin's house, and then you take off down through the country and around the world. And after you make a trip around the world, everybody's a little exhausted for the evening service. So that the thing interesting here is that Paul went directly to God the Father and in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And now another characteristic that follows along with this. You notice this prayer is brief. And did you notice that the other prayer of Paul was brief? And the prayer of Paul in Philippians, the fourth chapter, it's a brief prayer. All of Paul's prayers were brief, very brief. And did you notice that all of the prayers... In Scripture brief, the Lord said, When ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they shall be heard for their much speaking. And all Bible prayers are brief prayers. Moses' great prayer for Israel only takes three verses. Elijah on top of Mount Carmel giving that great prayer there as he stood alone for God against the prophets of Baal only took one verse. In a tight situation like that, I think I would have used at least two or three verses. And then Nehemiah's great prayers crowded into seven verses. And these other great prayers in Scripture, the Lord's Prayer, which is John 17. I can read that in three minutes. 
That's all it took the Lord to pray that prayer, by the way. I had here in Pasadena years ago, in fact, way back in the 40s, about 42 and 3, a program on the radio, and I asked questions of the audience and had them send in answers. And those that got the answer in first, that is, the earliest postmark, we would give them a prize. And one of the questions I asked was, what is the shortest prayer in the Bible? And the first week, I didn't get an answer. Second week, I didn't. That is the correct one. And then in the third week, I got the correct answer. And you know what that shortest prayer in the Bible is? Well, it's that prayer, Simon Peter, Lord, save me. And he's out there on the water. And so many people wrote in and said, well, I didn't think that was a prayer. It was so short. Well, my friend, that was a prayer. And it was answered immediately. You see, if Simon Peter had prayed that prayer like some of us preachers pray on Sunday morning, Lord, thou who art the omnipotent, the omniscient, the omnipresent one, Simon Peter would have been 20 feet underwater before he got to what he wanted. But I tell you, he got down to business. And Paul's prayers are brief prayers also. Then let's look at the content of this prayer and notice what he prayed for. He says, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. And by the way, God has a wonderful family. A great many folk think that when they pray, it's me and my son John, his wife, and us four, no more. But it's a little wider than that. And then there are folk that feel like their little clique in the church is about the only one that the Lord's listening to. And then there's some people think their local church is just about it. That constitutes the saints. And then there are others that think their denomination is the only one. And then there are others that think that it's just the church, just those saved from the day of Pentecost to the parousia. My friends, God saved people long before the church came into existence. He's going to be saving them after the church leaves. They're all going to be in the family of God, but they're not in the church. And then God has other members of his family, his angels or his family. And he has created intelligences. John, when he saw them, he said, you can't number them. And, of course, he didn't have one of these latest gadgets of putting it through the computer. But he said he couldn't number them. So there must have been quite a group. All of those are the family of God. Now he says here, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man. Now, he prayed here this marvelous prayer that they might be strengthened with power in the inner man. Now, we pray a great deal for the outward man. And don't misunderstand me. I think that is a marvelous way in which to pray, to pray for the physical needs of folk. And Paul did. He prayed for himself, for that thorn in the flesh. He prayed three times about it. And it's very wonderful to know that God does hear and answer prayer. Now he says here, will you notice it, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. Now again, I have to call attention to it's according to, not out of his riches. If he took it out of his riches, it'd been like Mr. Rockefeller, who used to give that caddy a dime. Well, he gave it out of his riches, not according to his riches. If he'd given it according to his riches, the boy would have walked off with his 
pockets filled with dimes. And now God always answers according to his riches. And Paul prayed for the Philippians like that. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now, the petition is that the believers might be strengthened with power by his Spirit into the inner man. You see, the spiritual nature of the believer needs prayer as well as the physical. How often the spiritual today is neglected while all the attention is given to the physical side. Paul prays for the inner man, for he realizes the outward man is passing away. Now, in this second petition here, he prays that Christ, now will you notice this, Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that ye being rooted and grounded in love. Paul is praying here that Christ might dwell in their hearts. This is to think the Lord's thoughts after him, ye and me and I and you. Paul could exclaim, Christ liveth in me. In Christ is the high word of this epistle. And the wonderful thing, the counterpart of it is that we're in Christ. That's our position. And Christ is in us. That's our possession. And that is the practical side down here because Paul could say to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not? of your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobate. Christ has not come as a temporary visitor. He's come as a permanent tenant by the Spirit to live in our lives. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. Now, this third petition here is that the knowledge surpassing love of Christ, that they might here be rooted and grounded. Rooted refers to botany. That's life. And grounded refers to architecture. That's stability. That they might have life and stability. And this is for all the saints. And that they might now know something of the love of Christ that passeth knowledge. And if it passes knowledge, then we can't understand it. But he says here that you might be filled with all the fullness of God and that you might know something here, he says, of the breadth and length and depth and height of the love of Christ. Well, the breadth of it is the arms of Christ reach around the world. I'm the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved. The length of it begins with the lamb slain before the foundation of the world and proceeds unto the throne before which there is a lamb that had been slain. And then the depth of it goes all the way to the death of the cross. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And the height of it reaches to the throne of God, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. And only the Holy Spirit can lead a believer into the vast experience of the love of Christ. It's infinite and it's beyond human comprehension, and that we might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now he says, Now to him who is able to do beyond all things superabundantly, beyond what we ask or think, according to the power which worketh in us, to him be glory in the church, in Christ Jesus, unto all the generations of the ages, of the ages, of the ages of the ages. 
throughout eternity. This is a doxology and it's a benediction. It concludes the prayer of Paul and it also concludes the first main division of this epistle. This is a mighty outburst of spiritual praise. I wonder if you could think God's thoughts after him by reading this, or as I read it, could you say, them's my sentiments? Is that what you could say? We are not able to so much as touch the hem of the garment of the spiritual gifts God's prepared to give to his own. Oh, how wonderful this is, that he might give to us superabundantly. Oh, how good he is and how small we are. We just can't contain all of his blessings. We take up with chapter 4 next time. Until then, may God richly bless you. That was a powerful study. You know, you can spend more time in this rich section of God's Word by going to ttb.org forward slash Ephesians. Or call us at 1-800-65-BIBLE if you've got questions about the fruitful ministry that we're having and how you can play a part in getting God's whole Word to the whole world. I'm Steve Schwetz, grateful as always for your company on the Bible bus as we continue our journey through God's entire Word. grateful for the faithful and generous support of Through the Bible's partners, whom God uses to take the whole word to the whole world.